When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon, Zinger Nation. What is up? Hope everybody is doing great on this Monday afternoon. My name is Logan Ross, and I'd like to welcome you to Moon or Bust, your home for all things crypto at Benzinga. I am here in the Blue Room today, downtown Detroit, Michigan, not on the normal stage where Spencer and AB uh, just left you, but glad to have you here regardless. Uh, so joining me today is the one and only Justin Roberti, our special ops crypto reporter here at Benzinga. Justin, how are you today? <laughs> special ops crypto reporter. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm like, like a special agent of crypto reporting. Hello, Logan. How are you today? I am doing good, feeling good. Uh, no clue about what the heck is going on in the markets, but that's why we're here. We're going to talk about it, dive into all of the news, and we have a special interview today. Who are we talking to, Justin? Well, we've got an awesome interview coming up. We're going to be talking to a Adam Hollander. He's one of the uh, more famous bored apes on Twitter, and he is a former employee of Microsoft. Um, apparently, he, he had an individual business that he sold to Microsoft, and then he worked with them as well that had to do with gamification. But he worked with Microsoft talking about gamification, and we're going to talk to him today about gamification and NFTs. So stay tuned for that. Most definitely super interesting interview coming up. So make sure to smash the like button if you are a moon or bust OG and drop a comment. Let us know how you're feeling on this Monday afternoon. What coins or NFT projects are you looking at? If we get time, we will go through them. So right. Justin, I like to start the show. Um, Ryan and I usually start the show by looking at the Bitcoin and Ethereum charts. So okay. uh, I'm going to take a second and pull up the Bitcoin chart on TradingView for us. Uh, since I'm in the blue room, I don't have it ready. Just bear with me for a second. Um, but what macro trends are you paying attention to right now? Um, I have, for one thing, seriously been wondering if the situation, if the situation in the Ukraine is going to, uh, impact Bitcoin. I mean, I know that they're trying to like, and it could go one of two ways. On the one hand, there's a whole bunch of bad actors who, uh, you know, virtually every other government on earth is is looking to seize their funds. And on the other hand, um, there is a, a matter of, you know, could there be more whales flowing into uh, the, the crypto space as certain people look to move their billions over? I've been kind of wondering how that's going to go. Yeah, likewise. Uh, we see gold is, is doing well for the first time in a while. Yeah. Was Peter Schiff yeah. right all along? Well, I mean, you know, the, the thing about gold is it has 10,000 years of history behind it. We've been using it as a form of currency since before the Roman Empire. Um, uh, so if, if we want to look at it that way, if, if it's now a horse race for all currencies, uh, you know, crypto and uh, and otherwise competing, that that was kind of the original the original competition is the one that goes the furthest back. And here's that gold chart. Uh, the mm. highest it's been since the middle of 2020, right. uh, and it is going parabolic right mm. now. Um, but, you know, shiny metal, ooh, uh, let's talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> um, Bitcoin's chart is not quite uh, as upward facing as gold. We do have some consolidation in this range, though. So, like, if I try mm. to draw some lines, um, you know, maybe here and maybe 
drop another one like right around here. I think the 38 to 44 range is where we are stuck right now, um, mm -hmm. bouncing back and forth pretty quickly um, and looking to consolidate in this range. Once again, take that 38, turn it into support uh, and then try to turn 44 into support next. Justin, do you do any technical trading or any trading at all? Um, I, I do a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of keep that in my uh, journalism life uh, fairly separate, but mm -hmm. you no, know, like, I think it's important to remember to not treat this too much like day trading. Like if you got in at 2017, you're still doing very, very well and know to stay pretty chill right now. Like uh, it might've seemed uh, like a, like a funny thing to bring up in terms of the Ukraine. But like, I think that situations like that are real wild cards because if, if we don't navigate as an industry working with these governments and we force them to, uh, you know, be in a situation where they have to uh, demand to shut off all accounts to Russia, for example, or demand entry. Like we, it, it's a very, sticky thing to uh to to navigate so i see that as a volatile situation otherwise these day-to-day -day fluctuations it all it all depends on when you've gotten in i mean certainly that like 18 month 24 month unabated bull run was certainly a whole lot of fun and everybody felt really really positive during it but we all knew that a correction was coming so i think at this point we just try not to freak out um you know, the world has been going through a lot of stuff for the past uh, year and a half while cryptos remain strong. Mm -hmm. Do you think that uh, technical trends are more or less a distraction in the crypto space? Um, the macro trends and the news topics are really what, uh, you know, change the direction of the market? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yes, I think in some ways trying to like discern um trends by looking at the dailies can be like you know I, way back in the day I, I used to work with it with a big weather provider it's like people trying to make statements about um about uh, uh climate change based on on uh, on daily weather events like mm -hmm. it, it's just not necessarily the same thing you've, you've got like a, a whole different perspective so it's like i think for most people holding right now provided that you're investing smart and if if you uh, have money sunken in, into bitcoin i mean you know, barring worldwide catastrophe, you're not going to lose your investment. So like the, the best thing you can do right now is, is to kind of just hold on and try and not let the day to day trend shake you too much. To me, you know, anytime I've talked to I, I am not one of those like uh, pro investors, but I've spoken to a lot of them. And the attitude of all of them seems to be like, try not to sweat the small stuff as much as you can. I mean, we all knew that this was coming in, in, in 2021. And honestly, if you told me in, in 2017 that we were going to be here, I wouldn't necessarily believed you. Tim mm -hmm. Draper would have. He said he called it, but but I wouldn't mm -hmm. have necessarily believed you. So, you know, stuck at 46 or whatever, stalled out at 46. That's not <laughs> a problem to have unless you bought it last month. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Uh, a lot of people could probably use to zoom out once in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, it's up only. Right. Let's it's like I, I feel like in no position to really make any like, um, you know, particular prediction about Bitcoin, except that I feel like in 10 years it'll have value. That, that that's that's my personal opinion. And you shouldn't do anything with my personal opinion because I'm not an expert in any way yeah. or whatever disclaimer I'm supposed to put on it. But um, since somebody asked, like, you know, I, I don't want to give you a 10 month uh, forecast in Bitcoin, but I'd be pretty comfortable telling you 10 years from now, I think it will still have some sort of value. So like yeah. everybody sit tight while it finds its place like that. That's that's what I think personally. Obviously, infinite growth is not possible. And frankly, when you're in the to me, when you're in like just an unabated bull run like we were, uh, you know, midway through last year, that is scarier because that presents the unknown. We know that it's got to come down sooner or later. This is um, as far as descents go. Eh, it's going to bubble a lot of people out, but it's not so bad. What do you think, Logan? I think you're more on the investment side of it than I am. Uh, yeah. Um, I see a lot of people losing their conviction, like very recently, specifically today. They're like, oh, gold is going up and Bitcoin's not like what's happening. Is it all over? Uh, it's been one day, like chill out. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing is, if gold is going up, then cool, you know, be an agile investor, maybe diversify your portfolio, stack it away and invest in some gold futures. It's not a half bad idea. 
one of the best net nets that's going to come out of uh, all of this crypto investing and an interest in it is just an interest in investing overall. I mean, I think that like, you know, in the future, it's, it, it, for a lot of you Zoomers, it's, it's just going to be a part of your portfolio. This will be part of your life, which is way better than like when when I, than when I was a kid and no one was making any investments or saving anything at all. Yeah, I hope I hope that turns out to be the case for sure. Um, let's take a look at some NFT markets. Uh, Justin, do you hold any NFTs? I know we've talked about NFTs endlessly, but I don't know if you're a collector or not. Um, you know, like like uh, de facto, I almost, I've almost had to be because I've, I've interacted with so many projects and so forth. Um, so yeah, to a degree, but again, I, I keep that like almost uh, completely to myself. There are mm -hmm. projects, a few projects, I feel pretty good about right now. Um, you know, right now it's looking like we've still got the generative projects uh, holding mo most of the top tier positions. What are you feeling bullish on, Mr. Logan? Um, the crypt, the, the NFT space lately has just been like, uh, you know, very, very erratic. Right. Mm -hmm. We've seen the starting with like the Pixelmon. Uh, things have not been really making mm -hmm. sense lately. And right. I think this is a sign of you know, potentially tides turning in the NFT markets. Uh, I think that, you know, liquidity is getting sucked out of the good projects for these sure. dumb projects that are going up for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I hope that better things are around the corner. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to get wrecked and have a desire to return to fundamental strength. Um, so I'm hoping that we see the projects that are doxed and doing stuff uh, you know, take over these leaderboards pretty soon mm -hmm. here. I think that the uh, introduction of the 4 million new users into the NFT markets via the Coinbase NFT platform, whenever that comes out, mm -hmm. uh, is going to be mind-blowing potentially. And, mm -hmm. and I don't think it will happen right at the beginning, right? right. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be a part of it. And then they say, hey, you're off the wait list, like sign up, put some money into it. A lot of people are going to be hesitant, but, you know, people will start dipping their toes in, People will start spending a little bit and, you know, the dominoes go from there. So uh, I certainly don't think that, you know, whatever this NFT cycle that we're in is right now is mm -hmm. going to end or top before, uh, you know, the end of the year before Coinbase comes out more specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, more of these generative projects, I, I'm like at some point or another, projects have to stop trying to reproduce the hit song that they did before, you know, yeah. right? like, like crypto punks has like genuine scarcity going on, like, like, like following the trajectory of any other collectible where like, um, you know, uh, like happy meal toys before the 1970s are not, are not great, are great collectibles because no one was saving them from the 1980s on people start collecting that stuff. Like once it's consciously known to be collectible, it doesn't have the same innate scarcity. So they're trying to build in scarcity. But how much room is there for, uh, you know, another Board Ape Yacht Club? I mean, like, I have a feeling Board Ape is going to retain, you know, obviously CryptoPunk's going to retain their value, like some of the leaders on top. But the ones I'm more interested in are like, uh, you know, V Friends is, is, it has been in the top 10 pretty consistently. And they've got a plan, at least. They've got the, uh, the V Friends show coming up, I think, in... Uh, May, I think it's coming up in May, for example, which is building on uh, Gary V's own, um, you know, not only like his own profile, but the things they were already doing. They're always doing this. They're already doing a series of shows. What really like spooks me a little bit, including with like top 10, top 20 NFT projects that, that I've interviewed mm -hmm. is how tacked on their going forward plan is. You know, they do the initial drop of 10,000 or 6,666 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, they start adding baby versions and alternate versions and new <laughs> versions and doing other drops. Yeah. Uh, but that's like that's like trying to repeat your success. Like, how are they going to how are they going to keep the utility uh, built up around it? I mean, right now, everyone's saying the community. But, um, you know, these are some <laughs> expensive communities. If it's all about, <laughs> you know, I doubt that. Uh, Anybody before joining uh, Board Ape Yacht Club participate? You know it, how many people had hundred thousand dollar memberships to uh, to you know real life yacht clubs or golf clubs wherever that would happen? It was mm -hmm. the exception, not the norm. So like yep. the burst in popularity is amazing, 
It's just like, uh, I'm not saying that not all projects, like some projects will man, will be inventive enough to keep that value off, but others mm -hmm. just don't seem like they have much of a plan personally. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. It, it's so hard to tell what a community experience is worth and, and it's worth different things to different people as sure. well, right? So, you know, the, the saying like, oh, this project is doing so much cool stuff. I don't get how it has a 10th floor. Uh, you know, this other project has 10th floor and they've done way less. It, it, it's kind of apples to oranges at this point. You know, there's so much luck involved uh, mm -hmm. and, and so many darts are being thrown at this NFT board that yeah. where, where yours lands is kind of chance at this point. Right. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think that this downturn in the NFT market is definitely going to be a uh, hopefully cause some risk off whatever that means in the NFT space. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm a little, little bit worried. Just, just a pinch of worry. Do you think these generative projects, I mean, I don't mean to pick on them specifically, but you know, on the one hand, we've got projects over here that are, you know, producing a whole graphic novel or producing a whole, whole film. Like you're getting some kind of output at the end of it, right? Like maybe you like it or maybe you don't, but at least it's doing a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than kind of these vague promises about we might have a game by 20. I, I love particularly the game ones. To me, that's a red flag. You tell me you have a game. Yeah, same. I've, I've had a game that's about to drop for six years now. Right. <laughs> so, but, any, but it will. It will by the end of this year, I think, finally. But, you know, like it's – and that's in UE4. It takes a long time. The development process takes a long, long time. So, like, definitely if you're out there shopping right now, look for something, somebody that's that's doing something – you know, you look what you're going to get out of it, what, what mm -hmm. kind of value it has for holders. Yeah. And I'd also encourage you to like, um, don't look for, don't, don't buy into projects that are already hyped. Right. Cause then you missed it. Um, you want to find the next, True. uh, project that you think is just as cool, if not cooler than something else that nobody's talking about. Right. Yeah, uh, you want to, yeah. you want to, in the discord, you want to see a bunch of announcements of like collaborations coming out and a bunch of holders complaining about the floor price being low. Right. right. Uh, you know, buy when there's blood in the streets, not mm -hmm. when everybody is euphoric. Huh, uh, that's funny. Um, you know, like, and I wonder if there was a bump for Board API Club when, uh, like, Jimmy Fallon and uh, Paris Hilton mm -hmm. had that conversation about how much they each looked like their individual ape, which I thought was just like a ridiculous, vapid conversation, like so silly. But like to me, I would feel exactly the opposite. Not that I'm a holder, I, I would be that'd be great, but I'm not. But um, you know, like to me, if Paris Hilton and Jimmy Fallon are telling me to invest in something, maybe it's time to consider <laughs> my exit strategy, right? Like that's beyond my grandma telling me about it. I've got, it's on the Tonight Show now. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, Justin, where do you find NFT projects that you, you know, where, where do you see the most interesting NFT projects or discover them? Uh, or is, are there, is there nothing interesting going on right now? Um, you know, there, there is some interesting stuff going on, but like in an unexpected kind of way. I mean, as, as we talked about last week, I've been pretty into the fundraising side of it. Cause like I've been interested in, um, fundraising for not, not for profits, like super rare right now has a, uh, a drop that they, they just did on Friday that specifically benefits the Ukraine again. Um, which I, I think is, that's great. I like to see stuff like that happening. Uh, most of my information I get through a degree to Discord, but that's like what, once you've already found the project. For me, it's like Twitter, and I have to confess also like I I am contacted by 200 NFT projects a day. <laughs> a lot of it comes from people who talk to me. Not everybody has that advantage necessarily. Do you read all those emails? Um, I try to read a lot of them because like it's really hard to like uh, – you never know that like sometimes there's something in there that's really freaking cool. So sometimes I'll go back and, and, and reread it because I didn't catch there was anything cool about it the first time, but mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like I try to see if anybody's doing anything different. Definitely. Um, we could maybe talk about some of the things that uh, grab your attention about different mm -hmm. NFT projects, but I think we've, we've been on this topic for a while. So I'm down to uh, talk about the Andre Cronier news or talk oh. about, um, you know, future killer apps on Ethereum. Which way do you want to take it? No, let's talk about the Andre Cronier thing. Okay, so that was big news. I think it was yesterday. Uh, Andre Cronier, creator of 
uh, Yearn Finance and, and his partner. They've also created a bunch of other uh, you know, big DeFi apps. They're considered OGs and legends right. in the DeFi space right. uh, by literally anyone who knows what they're talking about. Uh, they announced they are leaving DeFi for good. Uh, Justin, what's the scoop here? Um, you know, you had to do a little bit of digging because I think that they've been kind of private about it. But like, essentially, um, the he has made kind of angry statements before and i don't know like suggested that he might back off from the DeFi space citing uh you know the toxic community um and so i and that was one of his most recent statements that he made to decrypt so i have a feeling that it might have something to do with that i mean you know that and um you know i believe in DeFi. i believe that we have uh, uh like uh, yeah i'm still feeling pretty bullish on the DeFi space overall but um Perhaps he's detecting, uh, you know, a, a, a place where there has to be a correction. I mean, there are a lot of people in there right now trying to do something slightly different. When you talk to the projects, you see a lot of very minute variations of the same thing over and over again, you know? Yeah. So uh, it, it depends. I mean, I think that there is going to be a shakeout. There has to be, don't you think? So like, Most so I don't know if there's anything, if there's anything related to that in it. But I, I do know that he, he felt that there was, uh, you know, so, some anger in the space. And honestly, people are pretty intense anytime they're talking about anything money related. So it's not hard to I mean, is that hard for you to imagine from what you've seen with crypto space? No. And especially if I was in Andre's position sitting on probably near a billion dollars uh, of money that he's made from the DeFi space. Sure. Uh, I, I would be much less incentivized <laughs> to put up with all the shenanigans that are right. constantly right. going on. If Logan had a billion dollars right now, we'd never see him on the show again. It would be me and Ryan doing the show, <laughs> which I respect. I go live life, you know. I want to say that's not true, but I guess we'll find out uh, if and when I ever get a billion. Yeah, dollars. yeah, billion dollars will change you, man. You never know. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about um, a little bit more about what's going to happen to Andre's apps, right? Um, so they announced that they were sunsetting like t almost mm. 10 of the applications that oh. they had come out with, in including uh, Wire and Finance, which is a huge surprise, I assume, to many people. This is one of the uh, you know first big DeFi apps that saw a lot of traction and adoption, and they are sunsetting all their front end interfaces. So um, you know the smart contracts are still out there on the blockchains. The protocols are immutable. Uh, and, you know, I think I heard that Andre had not even been active on the Wiren team for like, you know, 10 months or, you know, some significant amount of time. It seems pretty automated, like they have a good team behind it. Um, so I'm not sure whether or not this front end will be uh, shut down. Um, in, in that case, other people could definitely come in, create their own front end interfaces. Um, I don't know. What what do you think? Do you think that there's a market uh, for potentially like DeFi protocol aggregators, like maybe a website that gives you a front end interface to Uniswap and Wire and, and SushiSwap and all these different apps uh, all at one place? Do you think this could spark, um, you know, a new hype wave of DeFi aggregator websites? Well, definitely. And honestly, I've seen some DEXs that are, that are already kind of trying to be that thing in some ways. By, by pulling together um, all these different places that you can invest. So, so sure, I, I think that that's definitely a possibility. We just, uh, you know, I think we want to make sure that everybody involved in the project is able to, uh, you know, get whatever value they, they have in it out of it, uh, just because that's, you know, good for the blockchain space for everything to be all on the up and up, of course. But, you know, um, like, I'm not trying to diminish that it, that it was among the first. I just think that how many hundreds have come subsequently like if if it was uh if urine was going you know had a had a long-term future like that would he have walked away from it in the same way uh, or or was he expecting there to be a correction yeah that's a good question and i don't think we know the answer to it yet do we no i i think we have no idea and why would he comment on that obviously he can't he literally can't so you know uh i th i think that it it's it's a shame uh He's a good leader in the space. Maybe he will uh, develop for 
you know, AI or, or move on to talk about, do something with VR, do something with voice recognition. I mean, there are lots of, of cool areas to explore in tech. I mean, as much as I'm a proponent of blockchain, there are, there are other kind of cool cutting edge areas to, uh, to invest your time and energy in. Definitely. There's no shortage of niches within the blockchain space. And I, I tend to think that most of them have not even been discovered yet. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, this has a lot of uh, people who are long-term, uh, you know, in the space it has them a little bit concerned. Um, but I think that it, it's a sign of potentially maturation and evolution into a new stage. Um, you know, Jack Dorsey left Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it happens, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and look how intense it is, you know, uh, like it, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of like adjusting to all that growth. Somebody said too much gains last year. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I don't know. Like imagine being uh, imagine being in his position. Like like I can imagine that being a pretty intense amount of pressure. I mean, just the fact that uh, having been in the space ten years makes you an OG to begin with. Like look look how uh, you know gosh darn brand new the whole thing is. You know. Mm -hmm. So turning to. Uh, our next topic, we have a couple minutes before Adam Hollander joins the stream. Just want to remind everybody, make sure to smash that like button for us. It only takes a second uh, and it helps us out a lot. So, Justin, next question. Uh, you know, on Friday, we chatted a little bit while Ryan was out. He's still out. Uh, we chatted about the you know killer apps on Ethereum and how crowdsourcing, crowdfunding uh, is the primary and first killer app of Ethereum. Do you have any thoughts on where uh, we might find our next killer application? You know, I was I was thinking about this question, and I, I think that like, sure, what you can see right now is um, yeah, people like. Obviously, the next thing that's going to come out of this is other people, uh, you know, like farming itself, people creating funds around farming. Yes, you could create insurance around the same thing and, you know, do payouts through that. But it's but it's all working based on the same mechanic. What ETH2 is doing right now is allowing people to stake, you know, to become validators and be able to build up value through that. And, and what you and what you've got is. um everybody else uh you know building up applications around that um so uh you know so uh, like it, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that because right now it's like there's there's like although you see people coming up with different derivations of it um in terms of staking like that that's the functionality that everybody has to work out of and i've recently talked to both polygon and polka dot and it's hard not to feel in some ways like um you know they're further along than uh, than than Ethereum is in terms of bringing actual use cases. Awesome. We can talk about that a little bit more at the end, but we have Adam Hollander backstage, so I'm going to bring him on uh, and get this set up. So joining us today is Adam Hollander, former Microsoft gamification employee. Adam, now that you're in Web. Three, how good does it feel to be thinking outside of the Xbox? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a really we fun, fun that planned all day. That's, that, that's, that's the dad joke <laughs> we're going to open with. He's, he's been waiting and waiting. Um, you know, look, I, I had a wonderful experience when I sold my company to Microsoft, and I, I met a lot of amazing, uh, very smart people. I learned what it was like to sell products at um, really unbelievable levels of scale. Uh, but today I get to wake up and spend my day on things that I'm just truly, genuinely passionate about. Um, what I'm doing now every day, working on these projects and metaverses and otherwise, um, it doesn't feel like work. And so I guess to your point of how does it feel, it feels freaking great. <laughs> awesome. So walk us through your backstory. How did you end up uh, in the Web3 space to begin with? That's a great question. Um, so my professional background is more traditional. Um, I, I came up, uh, you know, a variety of different sales roles around the world. And uh, then I started a company in 2011 as founder and CEO. I uh, grew that, you know, in a pretty traditional way. I generated VC capital, sold it to Microsoft. Um, I've always been in, you know, blockchain in some shape or form. I bought Bitcoin early. I bought Ethereum early. I minted a crypto kitty four years ago, even though I don't think I really appreciated uh, what it was at the time that I did that. Um, it wasn't until mid last year that I started learning about metaverse real estate. Uh, 
and I came upon Decentraland and I actually bought a plot of land for myself just because, you know, I said, this is kind of cool. I like the idea that I can own, you know, a plot of land in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I decided that I didn't like the plot that I had bought and I would have rather bought something else. And so I decided to throw the one that I bought up for sale. And in a matter of hours, it sold at a $4,000 profit. And that was when I started saying to myself, well, all right, maybe I could do that again. And then I bought another plot of land and I sold it the next day for a significant profit. And I kept doing this over and over again. And that was the moment I said that there's something here that I need to really understand at a more detailed level. And I started reading books and joining discords. And um, one of the things that came up over and over and over again, no matter who I seemingly talked to, was Board Ape Yacht Club, Board Ape Yacht Club. Mm -hmm. And so I started learning more about generative NFT projects and the community behind them and the enthusiasm behind them, the membership and behind them. Um, and that inevitably led to me buying my first Board Ape. And then the moment I did that, I posted it on Twitter and overnight I generated thousands and thousands of you know enthusiastic followers and people were reaching out to me to want to learn more about my background and i started mm -hmm. realizing that you know this this web3 world that exists specifically within nfts it really is just this tremendously enthusiastic community that stands behind it and um, you know, since then, I've gotten involved in dozens of other generative projects. I've uh, launched my own generative collections. I'm in the process of launching a um, pretty vast metaverse on NFT worlds right now. And yeah. um, I find myself spending almost 100% of my time just immersed into all of this stuff that started off more or less as a hobby. Mm -hmm. So so what year did you get involved? What year did you get involved in NFT specifically? Well, I suppose if you count CryptoKitties, it was a little mm -hmm. over four years ago. <laughs> but if you count when I really got involved and started understanding, you know, the implications of what is an NFT and representing infallible digital ownership on the blockchain, uh, it was really early to mid last year. Okay. Adam, I also minted a CryptoKitty back in 2018. Did not even know what an NFT was and didn't until, you know, years later. Um, that was a pretty, pretty crazy moment looking back. Yeah, I, I really wish that I had appreciated what I had at the time because, man, if I had gotten into NFTs in the way that I am now four years ago, I, I think I'd be pretty thankful for that. Uh, but, you know, when I minted the CryptoKitty, it was more like this, you know, cool, interesting thing that I can seemingly do, you know, in tandem with the Ethereum that I own. And I just didn't mm -hmm. appreciate what it was at the time. Uh, last year, when I really came to understand that this whole concept of, you know, being able to prove digital ownership of these assets and the implications that has on just all sorts of markets. That was this implosion moment in my head where I said, not only am I going to start investing more into this financially, and you know, I've personally put a lot of money behind this, but I wanted to start spending all of my time on it. And that was when I really, you know, made a conscious decision to leave my, you know, web 2.0 job. I was chief operating officer of a um, medical education company that's doing amazing things for the world. I'm really proud mm -hmm. of what we built there, but I started understanding the implications of spending more and more of my time here. And um, I think in hindsight, I'm pretty thankful that I did. What I think is a really fascinating dovetail in, uh, you know, with your skill set or, or the, uh, your, your background and how it could apply to NFTs is the fact that, you know, with your company, that you originally sold to Microsoft, there's an example of specifically for sales forces, you're trying, you're creating a system that encourages positive participation. And I've seen many enterprise class businesses try to go through just this where, and that's why, you know, the game of the need for gamification, the need for long-term incentives and short-term incentives to stimulate different kinds of specific behaviors. You can see it all over the way Salesforce is kind of like stumble about with any with any kind of Fortune 1000 company, right? Like uh, creating all these incentives. Some you, I'm sure you've seen some of them too, Adam. It's probably before you created your business where sometimes it can feel a little bit hodgepodge, like one minute they're throwing out $50 Applebee, uh, you know, coupons <laughs> at you, you know, for anybody, anybody who answers the question in the seminar, you know, just to get people to participate, right? Like, um, but you create a system for encouraging positive participation. And now you, you're, you're existing in a space that 100% relies upon not only the belief of, of its participants, but the positive participation. So what I want to know is, uh, how you are bringing that mindset and that particular skill set you have um, to NFTs to encourage positive participation in a strong community for hungry wolves? That's a really, really fun question to ask. So thank you for that. 
Oh, you're um, you know, for, for, a, <laughs> for a little bit of context for those that don't know. So the, the company that I founded a number of years ago and sold to Microsoft was called Fantasy Sales Team. And so um, we created that company. It was a gamification platform, but mm -hmm. when I built it, the word gamification was not the buzzword that it is today. In fact, I, I didn't even know the concept of gamification when we started that company. The whole point of it was how do you motivate employees to do the things that they're tasked to do in a way that is genuinely fun and really motivates the entire force of employees instead of the top 20% that tend to always win those Applebee's gift cards and otherwise while everybody else sits back and wonders how they could ever participate. And so the, the structure of that business was we allowed every salesperson in a company to earn points for whatever it is that they were tasked with doing, you know, sending mm -hmm. emails, making phone calls, closing deals. And then the twist was we let everybody else in the company draft fantasy teams of the players. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the CEO, the receptionist, everybody else could become invested in the success of the players to the point where what we saw happen was, you know, you'd be a sales rep and you'd walk down the hallway past somebody else in the company and they'd say, what the heck, man, you only made 26 calls this morning. You're dragging my team down. What's going on? And right. it was this culture of um, encouragement and motivation and even pressure to an extent. And it wasn't right. even about the prizes or the rewards. It was just about the visibility of what was actually going on and the fact that you got all these other people to care. Um, when I built that company, I had to learn a lot. I had to become an expert mm -hmm. in what motivates people, what gets yeah. them out of bed in the morning, what do they really care about? And I spent time working with hundreds of companies really personally um, right. to understand, you know, how do you get all of the salespeople to wake up every day caring about mm -hmm. these kinds of things, not the folks that traditionally win the prizes or awards or, you know, get brought up on stage and, you know, patted on the back. And it seems like the answer is money. I mean, that's certainly, you know, you have had that conversation with tons of people and VPs of sales and be like, ah, oh, how do we motivate salespeople? Money. And oh, okay. Yeah, that that's true. And to a degree, that's true of everybody until it's not. Like, and, and so it's not, and that's, that's the key. That. So, you know, we, we had, we had companies that offered prizes with that company um, that I built that were nothing to do with money. You know, one of them said that the winner of this competition gets to pie the VP of sales in the face on stage in front <laughs> of everybody else. And you have no idea how hard people worked to be able to do that, <laughs> that environment. We're going to do that with Logan and someone in our comments. I love it. So, you know, back, back to your question about translating that now over to, you know, Web3. Yeah. Um, what I've learned more than anything else when it comes to Web3 and especially these generative NFT projects is it's the community behind them. And, you know, there's a lot of people that buy into these things speculatively because they believe they can make money. They think that, you know, I spend X today and, you know, this thing's going to moon tomorrow for X number of reasons. And, you know, they hope that they can sell it before the next person comes in. But where I've been spending time is on projects that are really using that same mentality to generate value. And so my generative project, Hungry Wolves, which is a gamified collection, right. it is really about figuring out how do you take these people that own these NFTs and how do you get them working together in an environment where they're competing against each other, they're working together with one another using game mechanics, very similar to the ones that I learned with my company that tend to work to create a lot of fun in that environment. So, and so tell me about that? a mechanic you've been able to carry over. I would, I would love to hear that. I mean, there's been so many earnest stabs at doing this where it's like you're combining NFTs, maybe it encourages secondary trading. I, I did one recently where it's uh, crypto punks, where it's like you have to combine five toes to get a foot so it's like it adds, adds it changes the yeah the, yeah the the, the pun is kind of cringe but it's you know it's a, it's an interesting project because they're trying to say well even if you don't get any rare nfts you can combine them and make a foot which is rare or something like that but, i mean so it's so it's interesting you know a lot of like earnest stabs at trying to get something that that scratches that gamification itch but you know what what behaviors would you look to encourage because to your point it's like i i agree that like uh you know, um, how do I put it? Like you can adapt some like old, old saying about this, uh, you know, every, every, everyone's your friend on payday when you're at the bar and, 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 in crypto, uh, everyone is your friend when you're doing an airdrop. It's great. You get, you know, 15,000 <laughs> names on the list of people who all wanted $2 and 50 cents from you. And what does that do for you later on? It doesn't create a community. I'm with you. So one of the things that I learned when I first got into NFTs is I would go into these discords like Ford Ape Yacht Club, and it would be this like streaming, endless, you know, massive amount of messages 
where you felt like you were part of a community to some extent because you owned the same NFT and you were all rooting for the same thing to happen and you all are financially committed to it. But, you know, when I compared that to days when I used to play, you know, MMOs like EverQuest or World of Warcraft, yeah. and you're in a guild and you feel this genuine affinity. I mean, these people are almost like family to you mm -hmm. over sure. a period of time. And the first thing I wanted to do with Hungry Wolves was to do that. And so with the project, what we said was that when you get your NFT based on its unique traits, you're going to be able to enter the Wolf Den, which is a website that we set up that has a Web3 login with your wallet. And based on the traits of your wolf, you can join one of 10 wolf packs. And when you join that wolf pack, it then creates a Discord channel that you have access to that no one else can see for you to communicate and engage with your pack mates. And so that was something that we were excited about is creating micro community within the context of the larger project and then creating game mechanics where you would rely on that community in order to compete. And so the next thing we do with the project is that we have regular airdrops every single month of what we call scrumptious sheep and little limbs. And they're really fun looking NFTs that fall into your wallet that, you know, you virtually hunt on the full moon every single month. And some of them are rarer than others. And each one has a metadata trait that's called dominance. And so if you get a really rare mythical sheep, it's worth a lot of dominance. If you get a really common white sheep, then it's not worth a lot of dominance. And what we're releasing in just about a week and a half is the ability for you to go back into the wolf den and eat your sheep. And if you eat the sheep with one of your wolves, then you burn the NFT, it disappears out of your wallet, and now you earn dominance. The dominance that you earn for yourself gets mirrored into your chosen wolf pack. And so mm -hmm. as everybody is coordinating together to eat these sheep, whether it's the ones that you got, whether it's ones that somebody's giving to you, whether you're buying them off the secondary market, then mm -hmm. you're essentially driving your wolf pack forward and then you can earn additional dominance. Well, what can you do with that dominance? We're so releasing rewarding transactions. It's, re it's rewarding doing uh, doing primary and secondary sales. The more transactions, the more you build up the strength of your particular wolf pack. To, to some extent. And then, you know, what we're going to let you do with the dominance is upgrade the visual traits of your chosen wolf. And as you do that, then you're going to have more notoriety and status within your given pack. And over time, we're releasing other features and functions that are going to motivate you to want to hold dominance. But it's not something that you're just earning by yourself. It's something that you're earning in context with your chosen pack mates and strategizing with them. You're also going to be able to challenge other wolves from other packs. And so in a PVP-like environment, you can each stake dominance, and then the winner of that PVP battle actually earns it back for themselves and their chosen pack. And so mm -hmm. um, for us, you know, look, some of these mechanics are, you know, remedial in the context of, you know, broader video games. What it comes down to is that they are still transactions on a blockchain, and there are things that you're doing in the context of, you know, an NFT ecosystem. But we want them to be things that you're doing collaboratively as well as competitively with lots of other people that you have the ability to communicate and engage with. And we released a completely free to mint foundation of this collection called Runts a couple of weeks ago. And the whole idea there is that, look, if you can't afford a hungry wolf, if you don't want to come in and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on an NFT, we want you to be able to enter this ecosystem completely free. And so you can mint really high quality 3D modeled generative NFTs that the moment that you create one, you can then enter the wolf den, join a wolf pack, start collaborating with other folks. You can even eat sheep. You can earn dominance on behalf of the pack. And you want to create a low barrier to entry so that anybody that wants to test out, well, what is this NFT thing? How do I join one of these generative projects? How do I enter a community? You can do it so now for just the cost of the gas fee of the transaction. And love, that's something I'm really passionate about. I love that you worked in a narrative. That that's that's what's really kind of impressive here. That I haven't seen that happen many times. I mean, you know, you get you get a little bit of lore. Look, I'm I'm a I'm a game dev as well as as well as in the crypto space, but to some degree I'm the most, you know, I don't actually code a code a whole lot, but I'm on a dev team for an indie MMO we're, we're developing. Uh, it's cool to see that there is, um, you know, lore uh, as part of this. And it, it's almost working like 
um, like a guild based game, maybe from like 15 years ago kind of thing, which is, which is good. That's a lot of playability. Now, is there any strategy involved here? Is this all just die rolls based on what kind of, you know, what you get in your droppers or are there strategic choices you can make in terms of what you do and how you move your NFTs about to build up the strength of your guild or your yeah, it's a really good question. So um, you can only eat a certain number of sheep each month before your wolf is full. And so the number of wolves that you have in your wallet enable you potentially to make different strategic decisions about how you're going to consume sheep for that given month and which ones of them are going to carry over to your wolf pack. There might be certain situations where you can't eat any more sheep, but it makes sense for you to gift some of those sheep to other members of your wolf pack so that they can eat them because that drives the pack forward and drives additional value. The other thing that I'll you know, talk to, and this is maybe a bit of a tangent, is that one of the reasons I'm so excited about NFTs is I believe that they are building blocks for an inevitable metaverse. And so Hungry Wolves right now is building a hungry world on top of NFT worlds. And this is going to be an environment that you're going to be able to go into on any system that can run Minecraft's engine. And so that's your Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, your VR goggles, whatever it is. And you're going to be able to walk around. We're going to be creating game mechanics in that world that are based on the NFTs that you own on the blockchain. And then it's going to be that we're going to have these mechanics that are more of the NFT sort of transaction focus, which is, you know, really where gamification started with these projects. Right. But then it's moving and transitioning into a world where it feels much more like a real video game. And that transitions even into the White Sands Metaverse project that I'm very proudly building right now, which is about, you know, master planned community real estate and creating really interactive experiences that are connected to thousands of other communities and worlds. And Hungry Wolves, of course, is going to be one of them. And so um, this whole space is evolving so quickly. And so, you know, just a year ago, when you thought about what would be innovative for one of these projects, you know, today is just a standard expected, you know, table stakes thing that you have to do. And mm -hmm. because it's moving so quickly, you need to stay ahead of it in order for people to feel like you're innovating and delivering on your promises. But um, I do think the game mechanics will evolve over time to having more strategy involved and less of the dice roll, you know, transactional element, but it needs to start somewhere. You know, we've just been talking about uh, toxicity in the community. I know that toxicity in any, um, because, I, you know, uh, like in MMOs specifically, which are growing as gaming up and down the board, every kind of growing, including MMOs, uh, every kind of uh, gaming, including MMOs, has been growing tremendously in 2021 and 2022. All we had to do was lock everybody at home, and, and gaming continues to grow. Um, but uh, okay. you know, how, how are you... Uh, adding value to the community? How are you preventing toxicity in the community, which is a constant preoccupation for all gaming? Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about this. And so, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I've got, you know, about 30,000 people that follow me and um, 29,980 of them are all into NFTs. That's all I talk about. And so um, I try very hard to be a positive voice in the overarching community and to uh, point out when I see people doing nefarious things or um, trying to take advantage of folks that are new, um, releasing you know projects like Runts, which are really focused entirely around bringing people into a positive community and a positive atmosphere where they can learn about these things. Um, I talk a lot about the security and what people should be doing to protect their assets in the space because there's just too much theft and um, you know, folks that uh, really are doing terrible, terrible things to folks that don't understand the concept of, you know, their private key or that they should be using a hardware wallet or otherwise. Um, I'm building a site right now that's supposed to be an on-ramp to people that are setting up their very first wallet and the things to take into account and how to understand um, concepts that otherwise might seem really complicated that really aren't when they're just explained the right way. Um, I am a doxed founder, unlike the majority of these projects. And so mm -hmm. people know exactly who I am and what I represent and my own personal and professional background. And um, they can hold me accountable for the promises that I make, which is a trend that I hope we see a lot more of in this space because it's dangerous. Um, you know, a lot of these projects that, you know, have avatars that are taking on millions of dollars through a mint and, you know, really can't be held accountable for their actions. And not to say that they're all nefarious. There are some really amazing projects that don't have doxed founders 
factors. And I'm not saying you should avoid them at all costs as much as you need to take the risk into account when you get involved in projects where you can't um, know who the people are that are standing behind them. And so um, I'd like to think that I'm a positive force for the community. I'm on the news pretty consistently to try to teach folks about NFTs and why they should care about the space. And I'm not just on there saying, hey, you know, you're, you're going to make 10x your investment tomorrow, you know, buy whatever you can. You know, it really is about doing the research and getting involved in the discords and understanding what you're buying and why you're buying it. And understanding that every dollar that you invest into NFTs or blockchain is a gamble. It's a risk. Um, you should think of it very similarly to walking into a casino in the sense that every dollar you spend, you should be prepared to lose it. And I'm not saying you're going to lose it or that I hope that you lose it. And in fact, I've made a tremendous amount of money personally on NFTs and blockchain and otherwise. But um, you can't go in with the mindset that that's the reason that you're doing this. You should be doing it because you're passionate about the things that you're investing in, that you want to learn about it, you want to be part of these communities, you wanna do the research and the work. And if you do that, I've generally found that there's a lot of diamonds in the rough and you can get involved with the kinds of projects that have real meat and um, utility behind them. And that's you know generally been very positive for me and I hope is positive for others in the sense of, uh, you know, being but able that, to go about it. That, that seems like a statement of, of uh, philosophy, though, your, your own and, and that of your company more than more than it sounds like policy that you're talking about. You know, uh, like in terms of rabid communities that will will eat you up, you know, <laughs> like honestly, gamers are uh, are the only ones I can think of the other, the, where they're probably rougher to deal with the, than the crypto crowd, quite honestly, because if everything isn't perfect, free and right now, then it's all terrible. And boy, boy, do they complain. Boy, do they complain. Um, <laughs> I was I love uh, there's a channel, Some Ordinary Gamer, this guy Mudahar, who was who was telling a story about um Essentially, I think it was a Reddit, a Reddit thing where they were doing pool closed a few years. This is like a meme from like 10 years ago. They were trying to which they were doing to this hotel game. Right. Which like, you know, I, I do have sort of underlying questions around like, what does the metaverse bring us now that VR chat hasn't hasn't brought us? But like well, to, to finish the little story, what they what they did is the the troll. Well, the trolls, they were trolling. So, yeah, they were trolling. The trolls on Reddit were, were literally planning how to go storm Meta the same way that they used to do the pool close uh, thing uh, to, to ruin the hotel experience. I forget the name of that platform. It's from, from like 10 years ago. But the problem is when they got on, they realized there's not enough people. I mean, and the, I mean, and this is this is Facebook, right? Like they they've got they've got a, a pretty big, big footprint, you know, larger than most most nations on earth, and uh, they've got like uh, two hundred people hanging out in their chats right now. So like, how how are we going to make this something new and different? And then how like something that people haven't seen before? And how are we going to regulate it? Yeah, um, well, that's a. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big topic. Um, I, I I generally look at Reddit question. as like I was just asking that for him. It's, <laughs> no, it's a, you know, look, all I, the negative questions come from Logan. <laughs> okay. Um, I I generally look at Reddit as kind of like the pit of despair of the internet. Um, I I've had a lot of pretty terrible experiences. I mean, just about a month ago, I made one comment on Twitter about NFTs, and somebody went into Reddit and said, hey, we, we've all got to storm this account. And I kid you not, I, I had maybe 3,000 hate messages in a period of a few hours. Um, and I'm not exaggerating when I say 3,000. And these were like really hateful, terrible things that people were saying to me. I mean, even me, I've got a pretty thick skin. And you know, I was saying to my wife, like, man, like my phone dings every second. And you know, people are just saying some pretty terrible stuff. Um, but, you know, look, th those people are always going to exist. We're, we're never going to be able to get rid of them. It, it has nothing to do with the platform or the technology or Web 2 or Web 3. Um, what you have to do is find the communities that won't tolerate it. And so, you know, there are thousands of NFT projects and each one of them has a Discord and a Twitter and they have very, very different vibes and very different communities and very different tolerance levels for um, certain types of speech or certain types of, um, you know, interaction. And when you find the right ones, to me, I've never felt this in any other thing that I've ever done in my life, except for guilds in MMOs. Um, guilds and MMOs and, you know, leading raids and MMOs, you know, when I was doing this, you know, for many, many years when I had more time to do so, I, I wish I had time for that these days. But, you know, there, there's this just incredible feeling that you get that's indescribable to people that haven't played those games in that way. 
And in these communities, it's the first time that I've ever felt that outside of that environment where, you know, you go into these discords and you can spend hours really engaging with these people. And, you know, you're talking about what's going on in the space and you're, you know, giving alpha about other projects and, you know, you're learning things and everybody's joining spaces. You know, just this morning I did a, you know, spaces with another project founder and, you know, we had 200 people listening live. It was impromptu. And those people are all asking great questions and the community for NFTs, you know, what I'll call NFT Twitter, is so generally positive that Mm -hmm. they don't put up with the hate most of the time. Um, And because of that, I think that that's part of the reason that so many people are into this world right now with the enthusiasm that they are is because it's so hard to find those kinds of communities elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people protecting the vibe that when people come in and try to do nefarious things, they get bombarded. And only when you have people coming in in mass, almost from an outsider perspective, like what I mentioned with Reddit, do you, you know, end up in those situations where it turns negative. But but can and you incentivize? Can you incentivize not being a jerk? Because if, if you can invent, if you can create a reliable system for that, we'll take it off of blockchain and we'll just apply it worldwide. I, I look forward to the person that solves that problem perpetually, whether it's on or off blockchain. I, I don't think we'll ever solve it um, entirely. But if you find enough people with enough positivity that are willing to engage in a community um, in the way that I, I think we all dream of communities being then it creates barriers for people to come in and generate that kind of negativity and that kind of hate. And hopefully we all can just be positive proponents of that. Adam, are you bullish on NFTs the rest of this year? Oh, heck, I'm bullish on NFTs far longer than that. Um, you know, look, there's a lot of NFT projects that are going to go to zero. And so, you know, there are plenty of things you can spend a lot of money on right now that are going to go to zero. Um, people are buying them for no other reason than they, in a Ponzi scheme-like way, believe that they have value only because they think that they can sell it to somebody else for more value. But in reality, there's no utility. There's no um, real team behind it. And this happens really, really often. I mean, there are tons of projects now. It drives me crazy. They make millions of dollars just copy-pasting the art from another project and changing the background color. And then they mint it. And people go and spend, you know, huge amounts of money, not individually. Each person might spend, you know, hundred bucks, 200 bucks, but they sell 10,000 of them. And what do you know? They've made seven figures mm-hmm. and they did it because they, you know, paid somebody to just go and, you know, change a background color. Um, look, just like any thing that you can invest in, you're going to see peaks and valleys. Um, we have a war going on right now that, that's causing tremendous uh, fluctuations in a variety of markets, NFT and crypto, of course, included. And can I say where Ethereum is going to be in six months, where NFTs are going to be in six months? You know, no, I can't. What I'm bullish on is the role that NFTs are going to play long term. They are going to be building blocks of a metaverse. They are going to have implications in markets that people don't even understand yet. Anywhere where you need to be able to infallibly prove ownership of a digital asset and the authenticity of that asset, whether that be real estate, whether that be tickets, whether that be, you know, cars and vehicles, whether it be things like video games and metaverse, there are so many places where it's going to be important to infallibly prove ownership of a digital asset that it's almost impossible to me to not believe that NFTs are going to play a major role. And when you look at where we are today, you know, OpenSea is the number one marketplace for Ethereum NFTs right now. They've got about 400,000 monthly active users on that site. And that's despite the fact that I'll go on record saying OpenSea technologically is a relatively terrible platform. And yet it's a platform that we all use because it's really all that we have. But there are other platforms like Coinbase that are going to be coming out. And I don't know if Coinbase is going to be any better. GameStop is putting out an NFT platform. I don't know if it's going to be any better. But... Bottom line is, you know, Coinbase has 68 million monthly active users compared to the 400,000 that are on OpenSea right now. Imagine what happens when you log into Coinbase and there's an NFT icon and you can spend the Ethereum that's already in your wallet with the push mm-hmm. of a button. Do you think that that's going to do good things for a market that today is already thriving on 400,000 people? I, 
I, I can't promise these things. Nobody should ever look back to me and be like, Adam told me to invest my life savings in NFTs. But I will tell you that I personally have put seven figures into NFTs. I'm spending 18 hours a day, seven days a week on businesses that rely on NFTs as a foundation. And that's coming from somebody that could be spending their time doing anything, including sitting on a beach doing nothing. Um, I'm doing this because I'm passionate about it and I believe in it. And I really do believe that NFTs have a very powerful future for our world, not just as collectibles that have speculative investments and ability to make money. I love it. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Unfortunately, we are out of time today. Everybody out there, go follow Adam on Twitter. It is linked in the chat and check out Hungry Wolves also linked. Thank you for tuning in to Moon or Bust today. Subscribe to the Benzinga channel if you're not already. That is it. We will see you on Friday. Peace out, everyone. Appreciate Thanks. it. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.